The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. Hi, welcome to the Online Marketing Show. This is your host, Joey Bushnell. Today's guest is Rintu Bazoo. He is the author of the Persuasion Skills Black Book. Today, I'll be talking with Rintu about persuasion techniques. You can check Rintu out over at the NLPcompany.com. Rintu, thank you so much for being with me today. Well, thank you for asking me to be here, Joey. How did you get into persuasion techniques? And I also know that you are an NLP practitioner. How did you start down this road? Okay. Um, very A long history in a very short time. Uh, I've always been interested in accelerated learning from from my teenage years. Basically, I'm, I'm an exceptionally lazy person, and I've worked really, really hard at trying to be as lazy as I possibly could. Um, one of the big things for me was learning... Uh, how I could get a lot of information and studying and all that sort of stuff into my head in the in the quickest, shortest, and easiest way. So from about the age of 15, 16, I've been heavily into uh, accelerated learning, which includes stuff like um, altered states of consciousness and hypnosis, because a, a great way of learning uh, lots of stuff is to put yourself into a well a learning state and then picking all that information up. So I've been into all this sort of stuff for a long, long time. I had a couple of pivotal kind of moments with it, though. Um, there was a point in my life where I was working for a large engineering organization, actually, after I'd uh, finished having my degree in education, all that sort of stuff. And um, I started getting into the real heavy-duty uh, personal development kind of stuff, you know, and uh, this NLP thing was uh, a big thing there. I read a book by Anthony Robbins, if you know it, it's called Unlimited Power, oh, yeah. which had a big impact on me. If I summarize the entire of that book, um, it comes down to this one thing. If you don't like your life, you change it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I did. I was I had quite a successful career as an engineer at the time and decided I'd had enough of that and I needed um, a fresh avenue to approach. Uh, the one I picked was um, I suddenly became a police officer. Um, and I mentioned this because that was another real pivotal moment for me because I suddenly went from, well, I do all this hypnotic kind of stuff inside my own head and I get great results from it. I wonder if I can do that with other people. Mm-hmm. And I wonder whether I could actually convince someone to put on a pair of handcuffs, climb into the back of a van, and then write me a testimonial to my sergeant to tell me what a good job I'd done of it. Um, and that was where I really learned to start getting into a whole persuasive element of, of hypnosis and NLP. And I got very, very good at that mm-hmm. uh, really quite quickly because that's a, you know the, the nature of accelerated learning, if you like. And that led me to starting to teach other people how to do that. So... My general approach to uh, persuasion and NLP and hypnosis and all that sort of stuff is slightly off kilter with the rest of the world because I I started really studying it from an adversarial kind of perspective. You know, most people uh, come into this field looking for a win-win situation, and I do as well. You know, it's not that I'm not against that sort of thing, Um, but where I first started with this was understanding how you could do it when it's not necessarily in the other person's best interest. Now, obviously, for most people and in most situations what you are looking for are win-win situations and I've developed a whole bunch of techniques that that have started from a a more adversarial point and then moves into something that's more um, uh, more contributory more more kind of win-win situations but that's basically how I got into this or into all of this stuff um as you probably guessed from this then I've uh, uh had a wild wildly varied career um well if you could call it a career I, I kind of bimble I have this vision of myself bimbling around the world helping people and then they pay me money for it so a few years ago I accidentally wrote a best-selling book uh which is the one that you've just mentioned the persuasion skills black book um which was originally started off as a 
uh, a course in learning hypnotic language. Um, it was originally a, a free course which I used to build a list on the internet, and I got such huge amounts of uh, great feedback on it that we actually uh, turned it into a book, and um, now you can buy it on Amazon and that sort of stuff. So effectively, that's um, just a whistle-stop tour through what I laughably call a career. You also have some companion books as well within the Black Book series, is that right? Oh yeah, yep, yep. Um, loads of stuff. Um, I mean, I've got a, a, a black book on um, job hunting techniques. I've got a couple more that are in my head that just haven't um, I haven't actually sat down and written yet. Uh, one is about sales techniques, another one's about training and coaching. Um, I've got uh, a couple in my head about management that are just about to pop out. Um, I also run a lot of. Uh, courses uh well i say uh, i run a lot of courses they download courses the uh, the books are great uh, and particularly the persuasion skills black book well uh, i hadn't realized i was actually being quite clever with it until people had told me but um i, I wrote the book with with the express intention of using all the techniques on the reader as they're uh, as they're learning the techniques if mm-hmm. you like um so it, it, it creates this kind of situation where, where as a reader of the book, you're just actually plowing through it, looking for uh, the way that I'm using the stuff that I'm actually, dem- you know, I'm demonstrating the stuff as I, uh, uh, as I explain how to use it, uh, which sounds like a statement that's startlingly obvious. You know, I mean, if you're if you're going to teach persuasion techniques, you may as well uh, use them on the people that are that are reading and listening as uh, as you go. Um, the trouble with books, though, is it doesn't give you everything. You know, it, uh, you don't necessarily see uh, pitch, tone, and the way that people are talking and, uh, and what differences that makes. So I've got a whole variety of different download courses that actually demonstrate a load of that, that sort of stuff. Um, my favorite bits about this is um, I often run workshops actually demonstrating this stuff and teaching it, and then I will go back and write up exactly why I did what I did as a deconstruction later, you know, so I've got courses that, are, that do that sort of stuff. So there's a whole variety of things that I've got. In this interview, we're going to be talking about some of the specific techniques that you have written about in your book and that you teach in your courses. My first question is, why should someone learn these techniques and in what situations in their life can these be applied? That's... Um a really, really big question, uh, and it's a great question. Uh, my glib answer to that is that I think everyone should learn this stuff. In fact, I think it really ought to be taught in schools. Uh, it, here's, my, here's my perspective. Uh, let's start with um, applications. Um, most of the people with, uh, the, uh, I think are on your list that uh, you mentioned earlier are, are coming from a business perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's the case, uh, pretty much any kind of business situation that you can think of, uh, there is a persuasive element in, in it. Now, I think any kind of communication is about persuasion. I mean, even if the only thing that I want is to be heard, listened to, understood, um, uh, that's a persuasive element to start with. But if I chunk that down, in a business context, these skills are great for uh, things like sales, for managing people, for presenting, uh, anywhere where you you have some aspect of persuasion that you need to put in, mm-hmm. then these skills are applicable. So given that, then I think, Anyone in business needs to know something about these skills. There's something I'm going to add, add into that um, because uh, we might as well deal with this up front. You see, that there, there, there often comes up an issue around manipulation. Mm-hmm. Now, personally, I don't have any issues about manipulation uh, just in, in terms of the word itself. It's only about moving something from one, from one direction to another. And... Um, I don't have any problems with that. There's often a, a whole load of co- connotations that people put on uh, the word manipulation, and that's where the kind of issue is. I mean, my tendency is to say that whatever it is that you're looking to persuade people to do, you want to present yourself in the best light. You want to actually present the benefits to the other person as to what those are. It only becomes this manipulative, bad form of manipulation. Uh, it only becomes that when um, your intent is not necessarily a win-win. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. You know, and that is where I think all the issues are. It, the, this stuff, is, they're just tools and, and, and they're things that will help you get yourself, uh, you know, present yourself in the best light. And if you're looking for win-win situations, people will come with you. But they are just tools and it's just about the intent that you, that you apply with them that makes, it, that makes a difference. Um, if I'm completely open with this, uh, my my intent has not always been the best, and whenever I have uh, used this stuff uh, in a way that doesn't help other you know the people that I'm talking to, or or it isn't in their best interest, mm-hmm. it has always come back and bitten me. You know, so uh, I'm not um, saintly about it. I'm not, uh, you know, uh, I'm not one of the tree hugging brigade. I kind of want to go. You really want to use these skills where it's in the best interests of both parties. You know, yourself and the people that you're talking to. If you do that, you win friends, you influence people. Uh, they come back for more all the time. You know, mm-hmm. um, whereas if if you're if you're u- using this in a win-lose kind of situation, people will notice. You know, I, I mean, it's very easy to use these tools uh, in a way where you get you get an advantage over other people. And if you do that, um, you know, I, I can't stop you from doing that. I'm not uh, I'm not going to be the NLP thought police. But when you do that sort of stuff, people will notice that they've been, you know, conned, cheated, manipulated, however you see it. And you're bound to lose them as, um, you know, uh, uh, best case scenario, you're going to lose them as a customer, you know, yeah. as an example. So uh, all I'd say about this is you can use it in any kind of situation that you like. And I would always be seeking for that win-win situation when you do it. So it's up to people how they use it, but if they use it for good, everyone wins. But if you use it for bad, then don't be surprised if people give you bad reviews on the internet or divorce you or sack you or whatever it might be. If you do use it for bad, then you're going to end up ultimately hurting yourself because it could easily backfire. Let's be frank, everyone uses these to some degrees, don't they? There aren't any non-players, are there? Personally, I think that if someone says that they have no persuasion elements in their life then they're lying to themselves just that's just what i think personally i, I completely agree with you I, I i mean um one of the areas where where i get a lot of uh discussion around these sorts of things is in things like flirting dating seduction that that sort of thing where people go well well should you be using these skills in that kind of area mm-hmm. well um you know the I'm a bit too old for, for, for dates and stuff yeah. these days, but I remember when I used to, and uh, at the very least, I'm actually going to have a shower and put on a clean shirt, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, is that manipulative? I don't know. It's true, though. In, in its most basic form, that is persuasion. I remember when I was courting my wife, I would tell her what I planned to do with my life and the dreams I had and how we'd have a lovely family, and everyone does those things. Otherwise, you're not going to be a catch. Everyone is doing them, even if you're not consciously doing it. It's always there. Persuasion is always going on in some form or another in every area of life. So you might as well get good at it. Yeah, absolutely and completely. uh, And for me, the the issue isn't about, um, you know, manipulation. The issue is actually only about finding out what's best for the other person and presenting what you've got for them Mm -hmm. in a way that meets their needs. Absolutely. So where do you start with all of this when it comes to changing the direction of another person's thoughts? Where do you begin? Okay. Um, so the first place that I actually want to start is a, a thing that I'm going to call an agreement frame. Now, in its most basic form, an agreement frame is just about, well, agreeing with the other person. So whatever it is that they're saying, there's always some element of it that you can agree with. Now. The issue with that is sometimes people are going to say things that you don't agree with at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I'm applying to that is, is something that I'm going to call a 10% rule. Whatever anyone says, you can at least agree that they said it or that they believe it or, you know, that's their key issue. Mm-hmm. The reason why I like starting with agreement frames is simply this. It acknowledges the person that you're talking to and it acknowledges what their thoughts are or what their statement is. So it's a kind of way of opening people up and it's a kind of way of making sure that they know that you're listening to them. Mm -hmm. So the first place that I will start anything 
with is some way of acknowledging them. And then I want to move into kind of changing the direction of where they're going if I want them to align with something else. So the first thing I really want to say to anyone in any kind of a discussion is I agree or I acknowledge or I see your point of view or, you know, some, something along those, those lines. And that's what I call an agreement frame. Okay. Now, the important thing for me in any of that is that you then join it with the bit that you want to say to them. So there's a word that really, really needs to be put in there, and that's and. Let me, let me explain this a little bit more and give you two statements. Okay. Let me just say, I agree with you, but here's my point of view. You see how that but will actually just take away um, the, the thing that I'm agreeing with. Yes, it invalidates it, doesn't it? What you've said before means nothing now. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, uh, And th- there's two words that are frequently used that really do that, and that's but or however. Okay. Um, if, you've, if you've ever had uh, feedback given to you, you know, if it was a job appraisal or, or something, uh, uh, you know, at college or university, where someone says, yeah, you did a really good job at this, but here's what I really think. You know, yeah. Or now, if we go back to that and add, uh, change that but or that however to to the word and, and tends to join. Uh, well, the word and joins two parts of a sentence. Mm-hmm. So if I say I agree with you and my opinion is something else, you tend to get more flow to it, and people will, will come along with you in that direction. So the first thing that I'm going to uh, ask everyone to do, uh, anyone that's listening to this, um, here's just something that you might want to practice a little and, and, and just notice the reactions you get from people. Is just turn around to them and say the words, I agree, and, and then add your opinion on. And you could, uh, you know, your opinion or what you want to say could be wildly different. You know, you could even go as far as I agree and my opinion is completely different. Right. Now, logically, that doesn't make any sense. Do you see it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, logically, it doesn't make any sense, but people will come with you. Um, and they'll come with you because you're basically validating them and then you're moving them on to something that, that, that you want to, you know, talk about or, or deal with. Mm-hmm. So, um, in its truest form then, or, or in its most uh, ambiguous form then, as a phrase, this winds up saying something like, I agree you said that, and I'm going to tell you something different. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, right from the start then, what, what, you're, ne- what you're now doing is validating t- someone's um, uh, whatever they've said. You've validated whatever they've said, and now you're moving them somewhere else. But there's a particular kind of pattern that I like using on um, with people. Uh, it, let me explain the pattern, and then, uh, and then I'll tell you why it works. Um, I really, really love this pattern because it is just such a, uh, it's just a formula. It's very straightforward and you don't really have to think about it. So the formula is, uh, it's called an XY reframe, um, and where X is what the person wants, uh, wants to talk about and Y is what you want to talk about. And the pattern is just this, you know, the issue isn't X, it's Y. The thing I want to check with you, though, though here is I like using the issue isn't this, uh, the issue is something else. Um, the, 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 some people sometimes have, a, have an issue with the word issue, and that's fine. You can replace that with whatever you, you know, whatever particular phrase that you, ha- uh, you, know, you find that you prefer. This is just my version of it. Mm-hmm. So what I like doing with people is say, uh, saying things like, yeah, I agree you think that, and the issue isn't what you're thinking about. It's about what I want to talk about. So let's talk about that. So the reason this works is that effectively what you're doing is you're agreeing with a person that they, that they think this or they, they, uh, that they said what they said, and then from there what you're doing is saying, well, it's not about that. It's about something else. It's about whatever I want to talk about. You know, um, what it does is it validates where they're coming from and then 
rapidly, you know, dramatically changes the direction of uh, of the conversation to wherever you want to go. If we do this, let's say that we use the word but or however, or we don't validate what they say, what then happens? Regardless of what we, we then say, are their defences instantly up and they are totally resistant to what we're about to say? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what, what's basically happening there is that if you if you ignore what they say, then then they're going to get defensive and close off. Yeah, uh, it's exactly as you're saying. Yeah. If you if you don't agree, uh, if you don't put some kind of agreement frame up front, if you don't acknowledge what they're saying, they they'll instantly start getting their defenses up. It, it's really simple, Joey. Uh, uh, and again, anyone listening to this, try this as an experiment. Um, spend five ten minutes uh, over the next next day or so, just going into conversations and agreeing with people. You know, just just say the words I agree or nod at them. Uh, you, you know what's going to happen. People will open up and they will say more. They will become uh, more relaxed about what they're talking about. And just as a contrast to that, just try it. Just walk into a conversation and randomly shake your head or just, you know, just keep saying, nope, I don't agree. Nope. <laughs> and yeah. see what happens. I mean, you know what's going to happen, really, don't you? Yeah. It's just um, uh, the whole point about the agreement frame up front is to make people more relaxed and more open to what you've got to say. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you've done that, adding adding the the word and connects what you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. What they're expecting is that you're actually going to take the conversation uh, further down the line that they're looking for, they're looking at, and because of that, you can change that direction just using that X Y frame. Yeah, you, you know, it's just yes, I I agree or I acknowledge your thinking, and your thinking isn't the issue. The real issue is whatever I want to talk about, mm-hmm. and they'll follow it because you've agreed up front. Yeah, it just takes them in a completely different direction. Can you see how that works? I can absolutely see how that works. So another technique you talk about in your book is something called a yes set. What is a yes set? Uh, let me give you yes sets in two different directions. Okay. Firstly, this is an this is an old style uh, sales technique uh, where all you're doing is uh, is asking questions of people uh, that they're going to answer yes to. Uh, do, do you know what I'm getting at? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, if people are saying yes to stuff, uh, it makes it easier for them to say yes. Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> okay, cool. So uh, then it's fairly obvious then, uh, once you get to the pricing end of it and you say, well, do you like the price? It's easier to it's you know, because you've got them into the habit of saying yes, it's easier for them to, to just agree with you. Yeah? Yes. <laughs> okay, good. So that, that, that is kind of a old style, um, you know, sales techniques. It, it's still used quite a lot, and uh, to be honest, it's a, it's a bit, you know, cudgel-like if you like. It's a it's a bit it's a big hammer to hammer people with. Uh, I prefer yes sets from a from a kind of like a hypnotic perspective. Um, and what what we're doing here is actually validating uh, some re- you know the real direct sensory experience that people are having. You know, uh, I mean. We're, we're on Skype talking to each other. And, um, so you're listening to what, to what I'm saying. And that means that you can start thinking about stuff in a particular direction. Does that sort of make sense? Yes. Yeah. So all I'm really doing now is starting to get you interested in the idea that actually there's all this stuff happening that you already agree with. And if you can agree to that, then what it means is that you're ready to move on to the next stage. Now, can you see how how what what's happening in terms of in terms of my language? All I'm doing is saying, look, this is what's happening. This is what's happening, and you you know, and these are directly verifiable sensory experiences. And then I add something onto the end of it, which isn't necessarily true, but I'd like it to be true, and it makes it easier for you to to agree. Uh, a hypnotist. Would use it um, if you imagine a situation where you've got a, uh, a a hypnotherapist with a client sat on the couch waiting to be hypnotised. Um, uh, you're the the hypnotist might turn around and say something like, "Okay, uh, you're sat on the couch listening to my voice, uh, and that means you're becoming more and more relaxed." 
You know, that would be a, a great way of starting a trance induction, for example. If I was to switch contexts, um, let, let's take a straightforward sales context for a moment. You might, in part of your pitch, say something like, uh, you know, as you've gone through the discussion and you've t- you've elicited the, the, your prospects' needs and you've, you know, started talking about benefits of your product or whatever, you might turn around and say, okay, well, we've sat here and we've talked for the last 10 minutes about what your specific needs are. Now, all of that is verifiably true, you know. So we've sat here for 10 minutes, we've talked about all your needs, and I've started telling you about the product and how it matches those needs, and that means we're ready to move into a pricing negotiation, for example. Oh, that's a bit clunky, but do, do you get do you get where I'm coming from? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so um, all, all, all I'm doing is saying, well, uh, here's some stuff that we know absolutely has happened, and that means we're ready to move on to the next bit. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like it's almost like a big um, agreement frame. You know, we can agree we've done this bit. We can agree we've done that bit. We can agree that the the next thing that needs to happen is this. That was uh, one of the biggest things that I used to use uh as a police officer out on the streets you know and it would be almost as blunt as this you know um as you can see there's been a burglary around the corner this is the description i've got and you can see that you fit that and that means that i have to take you into the station to discuss what you were doing in this area and people would just agree <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. So uh, effectively, that, that, that's how how agreement frames work. And uh, and again, uh, it, this stuff sounds um, it doesn't necessarily sound easy. And the reality of all of this is that we're doing it all the time. It's just a case of thinking about it in a slightly different way and a, a little bit of practice. One of the things I advocate for most people is actually just five or ten minutes practice any day dramatically increases most people's persuasive abilities uh, because it becomes automatic very, very quickly. My next question was, you mentioned a technique called anchoring. What is that about? Ah, okay, so um, let me give you a quick, uh, quick bit of theory around uh, um, where anchoring comes from. Uh, anchoring w- w- is uh, came from a guy called uh, Pavlov, who uh, did some experiments with with some dogs. Basically, all he was doing with these dogs was um, he would ring a bell and then feed them a steak. And it'd ring them a bell and feed them a steak. And eventually, he could feed them a steak and the dog would hear the bell. Uh, Skinner was the guy that took that on. And what he kind of, uh, he created this whole branch of psychology, which was all about, uh, behaviorism. It's called stimulus response. It's basically, uh, the idea is that, that we have hot buttons or particular uh, when you when you're fed particular sets of stimulus stimuli stimuli um, you will react in a certain way this is it's not completely true but it's true enough to be really useful so say for example um, when you hear your favorite song on the radio do you go into a particular emotional state most people do, you know. I do. Uh, how about when when uh, your alarm clock goes off? Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it induces particular emotional states. What we're saying then is, if you set up conditions to set off a particular response, um, then uh, then when you fire that trigger you'll get the response that you're looking for. So there's loads and loads of different ways of doing this. Let me give you a, a, a couple of examples where where, uh, where I've seen this thing in, in operation in uh, Big Star. One of the things I used to do as a, when I was the sergeant in police service was I, I, I had a reputation for going into uh, difficult, uh, of taking over difficult teams and trying to turn them around and, and you know, uh, grumpy police officers are really di- difficult to work with, and I had a reputation of being able to turn them around and turn them into high-performing teams. One of the things I noticed that is universal uh, around a lot of the police service is that uh, the sergeants would have an office called the sergeant's office, and what would happen is that 
if, as a police officer, you'd done something wrong, you'd be hauled into that office uh, to be shouted at, mainly. Um, well, maybe not shouted at, but but you would you'd be big. You would be given bad news in that office. If you do that to people enough times, the idea of walking into that office um, uh, means that you're going to get bad news, which will set off a particular emotional state, which isn't a useful one. You know, so whenever, as a sergeant, whenever I took, whenever I took over a team, one of the first things that I used to do w- would be to actually haul people into that office and give them massively good, you know, praise uh, and and good news, just so that I could break the emotional state. Um, because what I wanted was a whole bunch of police officers that could walk into that office and tell me good, you know, what they've been up to without. Getting defensive or or uh, emotional or expecting to uh, to be told off. Uh, uh, another typical one that I've seen happen an awful lot. I've done a lot of work in call centres with call centre staff, and um, if you've ever been around sales at all, particularly in a uh, in a call centre in a in a high pr- pressure kind of sales environment, what happens is that they, the the call centre agents are sat at a desk and they've got a headset on and there's an automatic dialer somewhere that dials a number for them and once that number's dialed, it beeps in their ear to let them know that, it, that, that there's a... Uh, there's a prospect on the line that they can they can talk to. The thing is, say a lot of sales is built around rejection. Uh, um, I mean, not an awful lot of people enjoy being given, uh, you know, getting telemarketing calls, and they get an awful lot of abuse off the people that they're, that they're phoning or, or often do. So you imagine that that if you do this enough times, what these call centre agents are, are starting to do is associate that beep with a whole bunch of rejection and, you know, being shouted at. The reality then is that as soon as they hear the beep, they are really not often in the best kind of uh, emotional state to, to do the sales calls. Does that make sense? Yeah. See where I'm coming from. So um, one of the things I used to do an awful lot there again was um, get them to detach that emotional state to the beep in their ear and get it, get them to build really good, strong emotional states uh, that, and then re-anchor that to the beep, so that they would they would be on on top form and, and looking forward to the call, if you like, every time the the beep went off. That's that's what anchoring is. So um, let me just give you a. Uh, a quick version of some stuff that you could do in terms of anchoring. This is something that, you, that I, I do a lot with uh, presenters and presentation techniques, particularly when um, you have, say, a, a baby presenter that, that is a little bit nervous and um, doesn't do an awful lot of presentations and always gets nervous when they're in front of an audience. One of the things I will do with them is, is get them to uh, think about the times when they're hugely confident, when they're, when they're having a good time, they're in the flow, they're nicely relaxed and they're doing a good job. Um, and then what I will do is I will link that to something that's going to happen when they're going to present. So say for example, um, uh, if we're talking about small presentations in, in, uh, to a small crowd, normally presenters will stand up. So what I'll, uh, they will stand up and then they'll walk over to their PC or their, or the screen or where, where they're going to present from. What I would do is link the actions of standing up and walking over to their presentation spot to this feeling of confidence and motivation and being relaxed and in the flow. So what will happen from there, so long as they practice this, is that uh, it becomes an automatic function. So whenever they stand up to present, they're in the right state to present. There's a uh, and the other side of anchoring is there's a whole load of sneaky stuff that you can do around it. I'm a I'm a poker player, um, and one of the things that I do because I know lots and lots of people on a po- on poker tables are looking for tells. So what I what I will do is when I've got bad hands, I will fold them in a particular. Well, when I look at them, I will look at them in a particular way, and then I'll fold them. Um, what I'm expecting to do is over a course, uh, over a period, people are going to watch me and notice the way that I, I look at bad hands, which is exactly what I want them to do because 
um, an hour or so of doing that, the next time I've got a monster hand that I know is going to win, I will do exactly that. And then I'm stacking the deck in my favour because every, everyone will bet against me for me to be able to push in with, with what I already know is going to be the best hand because they're expecting it to be bad. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's quite a cool technique. Another technique you mentioned in your book is called pattern interrupt. So what is a pattern interrupt and why does it work? <laughs> okay. Um, there's another book that I'm going to recommend everyone should go and have a have a look at. It's by a guy called Robert Cialdini, and it's called Influence. It's kind of like the Bible for for persuasion, you know, for anyone that has that wants persuasion and an influence. In that book, uh, the the book is terrific because it's a very very scientific uh, book, and it's based on uh, six. Uh, influence and persuasion techniques, which he which he researches and, and labels on a you know in a real scientific kind of way, but it's very accessible, really uh, readable kind of book. There's a thing that he says uh, in that book, which he which he calls a click were response. Basically, our world kind of works like this: if we were to try and recognise what's going on in our environment. Uh, consciously, you know, 24-7, it would be an, uh, an absolute nightmare. I mean, I mean, uh, let me start with things like, uh, are you aware of the, uh, the feeling of your socks on your, on your left big toe? You, I mean, you probably are now, but you probably weren't a few, you know, until I mentioned it. Uh, what we do is we delete a whole lot of stuff outside of our conscious awareness so that we can focus on what's important. So, um, what this leads to is patterns of behaviour. So, um, let me see if I can think of a simple. Uh, yeah, uh, here's a straightforward one. Have you ever driven? from one place to another and not remember the journey at all. Yes, too many times. <laughs> yeah. Um, in fact, the, the worst of it is, when you, uh, this is one I do all the time, actually. Um, I set off to go somewhere and I wind up driving to the office. And it's just, you know, automatic. And it, it wasn't where I was planning to go, but I wind up here anyway, you know. Um, that is a typical click where response. So a lot of what we do winds up being an automatic uh, an automatic response to the stimulus that's around us. That's how we get you know get through our, our, our daily lives. Uh, and this is what I mean by a click were response. Now the thing about it is if you can interrupt that pattern, uh, what you people don't uh, when that pattern's interrupted, um, people have this kind of like pause between thoughts because they don't quite know what happens because the system's kind of changed and they don't necessarily know what to do with it. So um, uh, in the book, I, I, I kind of outline one of the biggest ones that, that happened to me, which is uh, uh, many years ago. Uh, when I was a police officer, I wound up walking into this pub with, uh, uh, it was actually with another officer, but um, they, for a whole variety of reasons, they wound up in the back of the pub. But uh, I walked into this pub um, as a police officer in full uniform uh, and was faced with these uh, three guys who pretty much wanted to hurt me quite badly. Um, they just had a thing about uh, about guys in uniform. Uh, and my issue was basically I just needed to get out of the, get out of the situation, you know, because uh, I'm at the best. I'm, I'm, I'm a coward at heart. And um, uh, sorry, I ought to say on, say on this. There's a there's a long-standing joke about about British police officers being armed with a box of kittens. Um, you know, because you can't get aggressive with kittens. Yeah. Yeah. So these three came up and they were, uh, they were pretty certain about how the system was, was to play out. Uh, and it kind of went like this, you know, they would shout at me, I would shout back, then they would use me as a human punch bag. That, that, that was kind of, uh, 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 what, what the expectation was in their heads. Okay. So they came up and, uh, they, they started shouting at me. I shouted back at them about, uh, the fact that I'd left the box of kittens in the car. Now, <laughs> the, 
here you go. I mean, I've just got the reaction off you as well. It's not what they're expecting. Yeah. Okay. So there's this kind of little pause. And if you catch that pause exactly right, you can, uh, de- you know, develop the situation that way. Because, I mean, what it went was, uh, was me going, the kittens are in the back. And they're going, you what? And I said, well, you can't get aggressive with kittens. You just have to calm down. That's an embedded command. Yeah. You know? Okay. Uh, so I'm basically using my language to disguise the fact that I'm giving them direct commands to do things. You know, so I said, uh, so, uh, uh I said something along, uh, along those lines that, you know, you just have to calm down and tickle them under the chin, doing my little tickling under the chin gestures. And it took me about five minutes work, but actually after that, they, the three of them were stroking imaginary kittens. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and that's that's how pattern interrupts work. I've I, I wrote up an article on them uh, a, a few weeks ago on on uh, on my website. It was um, I don't know. I was just in a uh, in one of those moods, and I uh, had to, and I feel the need to practice every now and again. Uh, this was a this is a pattern interrupt that I that I've used for uh, for for years, um, and it goes something like this. Uh, tickle your ass with a feather. People normally go, you what? And I say, particularly nasty weather. <laughs> okay, so um, it, it, it's a great one. So I, I, I've just gone into uh, a coffee shop in Glasgow, uh, and it's uh, typical Glasgow weather. It's, it's grim and it's dark and it's wet and it's um, uh, precipitating down outside. And I'm stood at the at the bar waiting for my coffee, and this uh, with this other guy that's um, uh, stood there. And I I just sort of like turned around to him and said, "Tickle your ass with a feather." And he looked at me and went, "What?" And I went, "Particularly nasty weather." At which point he dropped into this kind of uh, I don't know what's going on thing. And I, and I just went, "Well, yeah, it is particularly nasty weather. Come on, uh, let, let me show you." And I actually led him out into the rain. <laughs> and left him out and left him outside the shop sort of like very confused about what was going on I mean he was there for at least two or three minutes before he decided before he realised that his coffee was inside and he was getting very wet um, and that's what happens when you uh, when you hit that um, that little pause between thoughts um, you can lead people in all in all sorts of interesting directions at that point it sounds quite fun. It sounds like the stuff Darren Brown does on TV. Uh, very much so. I, I, I mean, take it the right way. It, it, this is uh, people get really, really excited around pattern interrupts because you can do those sorts of things with them. Um, uh, really, uh, the the direct application, I suppose, if we if we come back into a uh, into a business context, I kind of want to. Uh, th- there's a softer version of pattern interrupts. Uh, what I kind of want to suggest is that what you want to look at is the person that you want to influence. Um, look at what their what the standing beliefs and ideas and thoughts are that they have. Um, around what it is that you're persuading them about and see if you can uh, uh, shake them up, jiggle them up, do things with them. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, I used to do, when I used to do a lot of sales, uh, I used to sell a lot of, um, uh, tra- you know, my own training and stuff like that uh, in, into the corporate world. And what I noticed quite a lot was um, when people walk into the room that we're going to negotiate in or, you know, the meeting room and stuff like that, there's a completely different set of beliefs operating than before they think the meetings have started. So um, I would uh, I would do everything that I could to have the meeting before they thought that we were going to do the meeting. So, you know, I, I would walk in and I uh, and we'll, we'd be stood there, uh, uh, you know, getting coffee and having small talk. And the phrase that I'd use is, before we begin, can we talk about blah, 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 blah. Yeah. In, in fact, did you notice I did that to you as well here? I didn't notice, but now that you've said it, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, 
I, I know full well that their operating beliefs are wildly different before the meeting than, than, than actually in the meeting. Uh, uh, when I used to do a lot of um, coaching work, most of the stuff that I do around coaching would happen outside of the coaching room. In fact, it, you know, as a, uh, as a hypnotist or a, or a hypnotherapist, uh, my clients, I, I would do most of the change work before they went uh, into any kind of a trance. The, 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 the trance stuff was there just for show, you know, that's what they kind of expect um, but you can you can do most of the work covertly up front because people aren't expecting you to do it you know so um, a traditional one if I uh, ah yeah okay uh, let me give you this as an example um, uh, they found out that I did this in the uh, you know they spot they spotted it in the end but I used to run a, a team of trainers and when I when I was doing an appra- whenever we did appraisals or or you know I wanted to discuss uh, work with them on a on a one to one thing I would always take them out to lunch uh, for a, you know for a couple of reasons well uh, from my perspective it means we can get a free lunch on the company but the other real big reason that I used to do that was it's got completely different frames on it than 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 in a meeting room mm-hmm. and. Uh, eventually, one of my trainers turned around, uh, turned around and refused to go to lunch with me on the basis. That, uh, I mean, basically, what she said was, "Whenever we go out to lunch, I get a decent meal and half a ton of work." <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, and they used to be a lot more hard nosed about it. If did. And and to me, that's a, that's kind of like a gentle gentle pat- pattern interrupt. You know, it, uh, we're expecting things to happen in a particular order and sequence. And if I can break that up a bit, then it gives me more opportunity to move things in a different direction. My final question was was about a technique called leading and pacing. And also, you mentioned future pacing. What is all of that about? Ah, uh, now. Um, Pacing is just basically uh, be, being with people where they are at the moment, and then leading is leading them uh, leading them out somewhere else. So uh, again, this is this is very much uh, around the whole thing around uh, yes sets. It's around what you know this these language patterns that we're talking about. You know, if you acknowledge people from where they are at the moment, they're more likely to come with you to where you want to go. And that's all really pacing and leading uh, actually is. There's uh, a couple of things that are worth putting in here. Okay. Um, the first thing I'm going to suggest to you is pacing is, uh, for me, uh, uh, a lot of pacing is about asking people about you know about where they are or getting inside their heads and understanding understanding things from their position okay? um, have you ever had that situation where uh, again this is often a sales thing where uh, you you know someone's needs you know your product matches all those needs and you know it's a really really good thing for them uh, and yet they still don't go with you I have had that yes yeah, the reason that that's happening is that that you haven't uh, in that situation you haven't really understood uh, the situation from your client's perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is where this is what pacing is is really really about. It's getting inside their heads and understanding things uh, from from their perspective, and then presenting what you've got to present to them. From that perspective, okay, you know, um, it's uh, uh, it's often the difference between uh, good and bad teachers or trainers. It's like it's not about what they know or, or or how they can do stuff. It's actually all about how they can sit inside the heads of their learners and actually motivate them in the direction of doing things. Um, it's also absolutely the biggest difference in. Uh, in managers and sales staff, it's all about creating, it's not creating sympathy, it's creating empathy. You know, you actually understand it from their perspective. But if I take that one step further, it's once you've understood it from their perspective, it's actually about uh, uh, explaining the situation in, in, in a way that's meaningful to them. Um, years and years and years ago, when I was, uh, uh, a trainer. I was a trainer within the police service, okay? and I had it in my head that I 
the, I was going to leave the police service and be a trainer, which is how I define myself now. Um, and therefore, I really wanted to be a good trainer. I wanted to be, be the best that I could be. Okay? Mm-hmm. And um, if you ever speak to trainers, there's, there's, there's two bits of training that's, the, if you like, the sexy end of training, and that's designing the course and there's pr- delivering the course. Those two are the real sexy ends. Okay. Um, there's another end of training, which is all about evaluation. You know, did the course do what it needs to, to do? Particularly in the corporate world, um, that is about spreadsheets, it's about numbers, it's about doing surveys, it's about seeing what the impact of that course has on, uh, on, the, uh, on the environment of the company. That end of training, uh, for me personally, I hate it. Absolutely loathe it with a passion. Because it's about detail and it's about numbers and it's about spreadsheets and it's about all the stuff that I that I'm not good at and I don't like. Okay, so um, an opportunity turned up in the evaluation team, uh, uh, and my boss really, really wanted me to t- uh, to take the job, and I was resisting like nobody's business. And one of the main reasons I was resisting was because my boss loves numbers and spreadsheets and graphs and stuff like that. So he couldn't understand why I wouldn't take the job because he knew, he knew I was desperate to get as much experience as I could. And he kept offering me the job and I kept knocking it back. And I kept knocking it back because he would say things like, listen, you're going to have an enormous amount of fun because there's hundreds of numbers and there's these graphs that you can make. And then you're going to tell people about how you found these little, um, you know, small differences on tiny spreadsheets in the middle of middle of nowhere. And he kept giving me all of that, thinking that I would enjoy that sort of stuff. <laughs> and, and, I, I, you know, I, I, I spent every time he had one of those little motivational speeches with me, I felt like committing suicide you know it was really that bad <laughs> and the bizarre thing is it was it was a mate of mine that actually actually got me to take the job uh, and he did it in a really really simple way he just turned around and said um do you really want to be a trainer and i went yeah of course i do he said do you want to be a good trainer and i went yeah so well how could you be a good trainer if you haven't got every aspect of training uh, uh, every aspect of training experience and that means evaluation if you're going to be a good trainer you need to be good at that I went oh he's right and I actually applied for the job after that right yeah you know uh, and this is what I mean is that it's like my boss at the time actually knew it would be good for me I mean it got far enough into my head to, to know that, that that was a, a desperate uh, you know I would desperately want that end of the experience what he couldn't do is get into my head enough to understand where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. Does, does, that, does that make sense? Yes, it does. Did your friend do that consciously, or did he hit the money on the head just by accident? I, um, I, I, I think he did it accidentally, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, it's, you, it was just another trainer. He kind of knew where, uh, where it was coming from. So, yeah, it, it wasn't – I don't think it was a conscious, deliberate thing from him. It was just a discussion he was having, you know? So, if you like, that's uh, pacing is about know, knowing where people are and then validating them from it. But leading is all is about being able to present things in that kind kind of way that's going to move them in that direction. Um, you mentioned future pacing. Uh, future pacing is a really cool, cool kind of thing. Uh, to talk about it, I need to uh, do just a quick little bit of theory. Okay, so. Here's an idea. To make sense of anything that I say, you have to form in your head what I'm going to call an internal representation. I call it an internal representation because it's it's not just about a picture that you make, but it's about a picture, it's about the sounds, feelings, and everything else that goes with it. But I'm going to call it uh, a picture because it's easy to to see it that way if you like okay mm-hmm. so if i were to say something like don't think of a pink elephant <laughs> you have to think of a pink elephant first to make sense of the sen- sentence yeah. okay and then you might delete it or rub it out or move it out the way so, you're happy with that yeah, yeah? Mm-hmm. okay so that's what i mean by an internal representation to make sense of the sentence it forms this picture in your head of some sort so now we can start playing with that so if I were to say uh, John saw the mountain behind the house, you have to have a picture of John, a mountain, and a house. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
uh, if I were to say John didn't see the mountain behind the house because neither the house, the mountain, or the uh, or John exists, you still have a picture of John, a mountain, and a house. Yeah. Okay. So the reality is that whenever I we are doing this in conversations all the time. So. Um, whenever you talk to someone, you are forcing these internal representations on them, and they have no choice but to go with you. If they want to make sense of the sentence that you're, that you're saying, they have to go with you with this. Yeah. Now, that creates all sorts of interesting effects. Do you know, um, a few years ago, this is, this is one of my favorite examples of this. It worked so, so well. Uh, a few years ago, uh, quite a few years ago, so you, uh, it was when I, uh, was still a smoker. Um, I was listening to two call center agents outside, uh, outside having a cigarette, and um, one of them turned to the other and said, uh, "I've got this, I've got this real splitting headache." Um, and the other one turned around and said, "Oh, is it one of those he- uh, one of those headaches that's got a really piercing thing that goes right between your front?" front lobes and then she's doing all the actions you know like she's made two fists and she's screwing them together and it's like this vice thing that just gets squeezed tighter and tighter and you could see everyone around them as she went into this real rich vivid description of a very very painful migraine headache Mm -hmm. everyone around them was starting to crumple as they felt it you know Mm -hmm. because she's just forcing that representation on them and she did it for about five minutes and everyone walked out, you know, walked away from that with a split and headache. Um, that's what internal representations do. Uh, and the more vivid you make them, um, the more vid- vivid you make them, uh, the more it, it impacts the people that, 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 that you're talking to. If you can understand that, then imagine what happens when you take people out into the future to look back at you know, how they may well have used your product or your service. Or, uh, I, I, you know, I, I do this, uh, uh, I, I use this technique an awful lot in terms of uh, teaching it to people that are, that, that are job-seeking. You know, in an interview situation, one of the questions what I, that I want an interviewee to ask their interviewer is things like, if I'm successful, how would you see me progressing in the company? Okay. Yeah. All of a sudden, they've got an internal representation of them be, not only being successful, but having progress in the company, and you're forcing them to describe it to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know the the, the 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 same thing happens in terms of sales. You, you, if you if I were to turn around and uh, uh, and say you know so okay we've been through all the benefits of the product how can you see yourself using it mm-hmm. or what results are you expecting to get from this. Um, so, uh, 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 and it just works uh, uh, an awful lot like that. Um, a lot of, uh, I do a lot of that sort of thing in terms of uh, coaching. And, and, and again, when, when I've been managing people, um, one of the things I used to do, if I, if I give you this quickly, because it's, it's a good future pace. Uh, if I have to give people uh, bad news, you know, like in terms of their performance, the last thing I want them to do is think about the bad stuff that they've done. You know, if, it, if they're uh, okay, uh, let me think of a situation. Say, I go. Um, I'm talking to a sales agent, and um, uh, let's let's hypothetically say that they they they're not particularly good at, at building rapport with the customer. Okay. Now. Um, if I turn around and say, look, you're not particularly good at building rapport with the customer because you did this, 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 and this, all of that, all that is doing is reinforcing the bad behavior. Mm-hmm. You know? Now, we need to, uh, we need to tell them that, that, that their behavior is not, not good enough, but the internal representations that I want to force on them are ones of them doing it really well. Mm-hmm. So my intention is then to it, it, um, my intention is to say uh, something like and, and again if I go back to where we started from first thing I want to do is acknowledge uh, where they're coming from so I, I want to find stuff that they did do really well you know mm-hmm. um, so I'm going to start with uh, 
you know, here's specifically some stuff that you did really well. And I want to very strongly validate that mm-hmm. by explaining in detail what was, you know, what was good about it and what they specifically did. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that if you like is starting off with a, um, with a yes set and an agreement frame. Uh, we're going, you did this, this, this and this, and that's really good. And what would make it even better is if you do, and now I can describe in detail what I want them to do okay. rather than what they what they did badly, if you like. So what I'm now doing is going, right, if you do this, 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 and this, it's going to make you make you even better. And now here's a future pace on the end of that. We go, um, can you see yourself? Uh, can you see how well or how good you're going to feel once you've put that all in place and you're getting more sales? Yeah. yeah, so that, that that's where the future pace is. So in terms of that pattern, it just goes, um, here's what you did well, and this is in detail what you did, which uh, validates it. And what's going to make it even better is if, uh, and then you explain what you want them to do in specific behavioral terms. And then there's this future pace at the end that goes, how good are you going to feel, you know, with the next cell when you've put that all in place? So it's kind of almost like a future memory, if you like. So we are getting people to imagine and see themselves with the favourable result. And that is a much better way of trying to persuade them rather than to get them to focus on the bad things they did. Like you said, you can't help but imagine that pink elephant if you mention it. So Rintu, thank you so much for all the information that you've given us today. It's been absolutely fantastic. Where can we get more of this kind of information from you and where can we buy your books? Yeah, sure, Joey. Um, I'll tell you what we've done, just because we know, uh, because I knew this interview was coming up, and I wanted to give the, your uh, your readership a particularly special deal. What we've set up is a is a place where they can get um, a whole persuasion skills on steroids course uh, for about a third of the price. I think we're going, going for ninety seven dollars. Um, the the great thing about this particular course is actually it's actually my favourite of all of the courses that I've got. Um, the great thing about this course is it's actually a three-hour workshop uh, where you can see me leading an audience right away through uh, a whole slew of persuasion kind of uh, uh, tactics and, and skills and that. But the the best thing about it is it's not just you don't just get the workshop you actually get. Uh, a transcript of the whole thing with me deconstructing all the patterns that I'm using on the audience. Um, now, I think that's a really brilliant kind of learning tool because effectively you get inside my head uh, and you can get to to see uh, the patterns that I'm using, um, my reasoning for using them, the reaction that it has on the audience, and also you know my thoughts on whether it worked, why, uh, whether it didn't, why I chose the patterns that I did, and how I could, how you could use them in um, you know different kinds of circumstances. So I think it's a a really great resource for learning uh, a load of hypnotic you know persuasion skills and that sort of stuff. Um, the thing about it though, uh, I should really say this: the thing about it is when I first um, set this up as a product. I tested it on a whole slew of people, and a lot of people came back and said, "Actually, the, the material that you're giving out there is is very advanced." Um, I, I, I actually don't think it is because what what you can do is actually go through the whole material uh, just as a workshop to start with, and then go back and just watch how I've layered stuff in, um, and then you, you know develop patterns out. Uh, just out of all of that. But because a, a lot of people said that it's quite an advanced course, what I've actually done is bundle in with all of that this bonus, which includes um, the book, the Persuasion Skills Black Book. There's a PDF copy of that, um, and there's an audio copy of that as well. So if you don't like reading, you can just actually listen to it. Um, on top of that, there's the... Um, there's a course that I built that, that went on from the book. You see, it's great writing all of this stuff down and you can get a great sense of what goes on. What you don't necessarily get from that is how you can use your voice and your, uh, your tone of voice and pitch, um, and your pacing to actually make a real difference in the way that you can persuade people in the way that the, the whole of this, the structure of this stuff, this sort of stuff works. So um, the, I, I built a course off the back of the book which uh, has a whole new set of patterns and it has um, a whole lot of stuff that's on 
video and audio that, that backs all of that up. So even if you don't feel like you can go straight into the advanced stuff, you get all of the stuff that the people are recommending that you do before you get to the advanced stuff, with, uh, just as part of the whole thing. I normally sort of sell that whole bundle for, um, uh, I think it's around $300 on, the, on my website. But uh, just because it's your list and, uh, and this is an exclusive kind of thing, we set it up so that you can get it for about a third of the price. How's that? Brilliant. Thank you so much. That's an awesome deal. Thank you, Rintu. Okay. Um, the books are all on Amazon. Okay. So if you just go to Amazon and put in the Persuasion Skills Black Book, uh, uh, it will just pop up on, on any of the Amazon sites. That's where I am. And um, if you're really, really interested in all this sort of stuff, there's a couple of places you can find me. Uh, on Twitter, it's Persuasion Tips. Okay. Uh, Facebook, it's the Persuasion Skills Black Book. If you just search for that, you'll find uh, the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Um, I... Uh, and the website is the nlpcompany.com. Um, I highly recommend you go to the the nlpcompany.com. Um, when you go there, hit the techniques tab, and you'll get to uh, the blog part or the article part. Um, there's a little search bar in the in the top right hand corner. You can search through the articles. There's there's Two or three thousand articles on there now. Wow. We've been going for a while, and there's loads and loads of really good content. Uh, the uh, the YouTube cha- channel, uh, which is the NLP company, or, or you can search for it under my name, Rintu Basu. Uh, they there's loads of free videos. Um, I, I put a ton of stuff out there because I kind of reckon um, people are going to come back and they're eventually going to buy stuff if I, if I give you lots and lots of good information. So mm-hmm. there's huge amounts out there for you, uh, in any of the, in any of those. And, um, you can get the book on Amazon. Awesome. That's the end of today's episode. And thank you for listening in. Rintu, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. Yeah. My pleasure, Joey. Thanks for having me. The online marketing show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell, helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money.